contractors have to realize that this business is a relationship business and it's all about influence. And now with the internet, with social media, that word of mouth is still alive and well, but now it's amplified. You're listening to Toolbox of the Trades, brought to you by Service Titan, a podcast for top service professionals where we interview leaders for their best tips and tricks of the trades. Learn how industry trailblazers stay ahead of the competition and how you too can be at the forefront of an industry. Let's jump in. Hello, contractors, and welcome to the Toolbox for the Trades. I'm your host, Jackie Aubel, and today's guest is Chris Hunter, a man with many, many titles. After selling Hunter Supertechs that he and his wife Nikki built from the ground up to Turnpoint Services, Chris has dedicated his time to helping other contractors grow their business. We discussed how Chris went from a part-time technician to a full-blown business owner, how contractors can create uncommon wealth, and the concept of extra mile service and why it matters to the success of your business. Chris isn't just an incredibly effective leader and entrepreneur. He's also a fantastic person. In fact, since this interview, Chris has joined the Service Titan family as our Director of Customer Relations. We're so excited to have him on our team, and I hope you enjoyed listening to his words of wisdom as much as I did. Enjoy. Chris Hunter, welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me on. I'm honored. Can you tell everyone listening at home a little bit about you? Yeah. So, uh, Chris Hunter. So first of all, I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a, I'm a husband, I'm a father, and now I have multiple job titles. I actually was the founder of Hunter Supertechs, which was acquired by Turnpoint Services. So now I work with Turnpoint as well as the director of business development, helping grow that whole platform. And then I also partnered with one of my mentors, Ben Stark, in a training company called GoTime Success Group. So I kind of got my, my irons in a lot of fires right now. Yeah, you certainly do. Jeez, it's three, uh, three job titles. That's right. So um, I know you've experienced an incredible amount of success, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we do, I want to get down to the very beginning. Tell me okay. how you got into the trades. Awesome. Probably a lot like a lot, of, a lot of contractors did. I actually took an HVAC course in high school as a blow-off course. I ain't going to lie. I was a baseball player, and I thought, hey, this will be an easy half day. You know, so I, I took this course, and I actually really liked it, but I never planned on using it. I really didn't. It was, it was just, a, just a way to get out of school for a half a day. But after that, as luck would have it, I ended up hiring on with AT&T, as a communications technician. And then right after that, 9-11 happened. And they were going to lay off 10,000 people. And I was one of the new hires and was going to be laid off. And, and luckily, there was an older gentleman. I'll never forget this guy because he was, had such an impact on the direction of my life. But his name was Sandy Kelso. And Sandy volunteered to retire. He was the air conditioning technician there. And since he retired, they come to me and they're like, hey, we got an opening for an air conditioning guy. If you can pass the test, you can stay on. So thank God that I retained a little bit of that knowledge that I took in high school and was able to uh, pass that test and just really jump into the trades working for AT&T. And, and from there, 
I studied everything I could. I, I was like a sponge. I just fell in love with the trades, with the work, with the challenge and the gratification of seeing at the end of the day, hey, I fixed that or I built that. And from there on, I ended up getting my contractor's license and just starting my business on the side on working weekends and evenings for family members. And then finally took the jump into full-time business ownership in 2009. And right after that, it was a struggle. I think I faced what a lot of contractors do. I, I was a great technician, but I had no clue on how to build a team, on how to run a business, what my numbers should be, how to find a great software. So I faced all these struggles. So I, I read Ron Smith's book, HVAC Spells Wealth, and just started implementing everything I could out of that. And then after that, I joined the Service Nation Alliance and was a sponge, just started soaking it up. And before I knew it, things took off. We grew the Hunter Super Techs, kept growing to five locations in Southern Oklahoma and North Texas, and created an awesome team of almost, well, at, at the high point, around 90 people. And then we were acquired in 2018 by Turnpoint Services. What an incredible story. Talk yeah. to me a little bit about that jump you made from being AT&T, an HVAC contractor for AT&T, which by the way, I didn't know that was even possible, to saying, okay, I'm ready to do it on my own. I'm ready to do my own, to, to just do my own business and transition from not just working on weekends and nights for friends and family. Yeah, that was a big deal. And it took a lot of faith from my wife and, and things like that as well. And I actually had a boss that, at AT&T that said, Chris, he said, I see, the, I see the way things are going. They're starting to contract out a lot of this work. He said, I really feel like you should get your contractor license just as a golden, golden parachute. So I did. And then, but what happened was served well, right? I love people. I love fixing things. And, and all of a sudden it starts to get a little overwhelming because so many calls were coming in and I was trying to work my day job as well. And then doing this on the weekends. And, and I remember the point came where I was at a breaking point. I was like, something's got to give, you know, I got to do one. I got to do the other. Something's got to give. And I talked to my wife and she said, Chris, just, it's go time, right? Just go for it. You can do this. And I left a very comfortable job paying, you know, $70,000, $80,000, which was a great, comfortable place in Oklahoma. And then I went to paying myself $25,000 that first year in contracting. And I'm thinking, what in the world are we doing here? How, why did we do this? But then I was, I was reminded that, you know, nothing great happens in your comfort zone. So if you're going to do something, you got to give up first to be able to go up. So, but it takes good people to support you, right? So, so I had that support and really without her encouraging me to, to go out on that limb and trusting me that, hey, we're going to make this work. No telling where we would have been today. Totally. And what's your wife's name? Nikki. Nikki. Yeah. yeah. Um, and she works at Hunter Super Techs still today, right? She, well, she was always just my, like my, my support system, right? So we would go to the office every day. And I didn't really want her to have a job per se at Hunter where she was tied down to, to the phones or anything like that. But I wanted her to be the chief, the chief fun officer. So she, she kept the pulse. She gave the pats on the back. She encouraged me. So everything we did, we're a team. 
you know, so if you see me, you see her, I guarantee you that. So that's incredible. What a wonderful support system that you had. You're very fortunate to have that. Um, oh, yeah. that I love hearing about that. Did you have an idea of uh, what you wanted your life to look like at this point? No idea. Yeah. <laughs> I, hate to, I hate to say that, but you know, uh, had no idea really and, and truly. So the way that it all unfolded was, was, man, I'm beyond blessed. And I'm so, that's why I'm so passionate about these trades, you know, because I see that, that somebody can learn a skill and then take that skill and learn from great people in this industry that have proven how to do it. And you can not only change your life, but your family's life and then impact so many lives of the people on your team. And then before you know it, you can change your community and then a whole industry. And, and it all started just from learning a skill, a trade. So, I mean, I'm, I'm blown away by what the trades can do. That's why I'm so passionate about promoting them as well. And I think it definitely has to be promoted. I mean, you said so yourself when you were in school, you were trying to be a baseball player and it's, I'm constantly blown away in my work that I do at Service Titan. Like I had no idea the trades offered this type of opportunity for people, which is one of the reasons why I'm doing this podcast. Um, So what would you say to maybe high school kids or people who are out of high school, out of college, who maybe are, who maybe don't know about the trades or what it has to offer? What would be your pitch yeah, so, so the beauty about trades is no one can ever take that skill from you. So even if you never use it, believe me, you will, you know, but it, if you learn the skill, no one can take it. And, and also, I feel like the, the word is getting out. So for, for a long time, everyone was told, hey, you have to go to college. You have to go to college. You have to go to college. And now we have this big technician shortage, right? But I think this can be changed and it will be changed by leaders in this industry that not only make this place a fun environment, but then also help promote the possibilities of what's, uh, what can be accomplished. And, and I know we're, we're transforming this whole industry in this tech shortage. It really can be changed. So my advice for the young people is, hey, no matter what you want to do, try to learn the trade. It's just a great backup plan and you may fall in love with it. Yeah, I think that's great advice. So talk to me about, you know, that transition from $80,000 a year to $25,000 a year. What were some of those really sticky points that you were getting caught up on as you were trying to grow your business? Yeah, so so right away, the the, the typical transition for for a a technician that has what uh, Michael Gerber calls the entrepreneurial seizure is you, you get in and you're great at solving one problem at a time. You're great at fixing that one air conditioner and, and then moving to the next one. Or then you, as a business owner, all of a sudden, everything you were good at fixing a machine, one problem at a time, you spend 80% of your time doing other things, stuff like payroll and marketing and taxes and, and how to do all this office stuff. And before you know it, you're like, I'm not even doing what I was good at. I'm, I'm doing a completely different job. So, so the hardest part was getting over that, what, what was understanding that, hey, operating a business is totally different than being a great technician. They're, they're two totally different jobs, and you have to put the same passion into learning the business as you did learning the trade, right? or otherwise you'll be stuck, and so many contractors get stuck. They get stuck at that one level. They can never get over the hump, and ultimately, when I was stuck, 
I realized that it was me. I was the reason we were stuck. And if we were going to grow, I was going to have to grow my own leadership ability and, and really learn how to build a team. So yeah, and sticking point. totally. And that goes back to what you already said, which is you can't grow if you stay in your comfort zone. That's it. So tell me about how you acquired those leadership skills. How did you learn how to build a team? Oh man, I went on a relentless pursuit. Uh, everything that I do, I give it all I got. So first, I didn't have any bad habits of learning from, from working at another contracting company. Because at AT&T, we were just a public utility and I fixed air conditioning systems for them. So I surrounded myself with knowledge from people that were really good in this industry. And I just soaked it up. I wanted to learn everything that I could about what worked, what didn't. Because we all know the fastest way to get from point A to point B is a straight line. And if somebody's already at point B, just tell me how to get there, right? I, that way I don't have to make the mistakes and go back and forth. So I really devoted myself to that. And then I also had to give up some stuff. You know, I realized how much time I was watching TV and things like this. And I wasn't a reader, but I made some commitments. I said, you know what? This is worth it. My family's dependent on me. This team's dependent on me. So I quit watching TV and I would read books on leadership, on team building and other things I was passionate about. And before I knew it, I fell in love with reading. And that was one of the greatest gifts because people always say leaders are readers. Well, it is true, right? So it, it all came down to being committed enough to give up what was not important and then being committed enough to, be, to focus on what was important. That was how I made that shift. Yeah. And I love that you bring up reading. Um, so far, every interview I've done, we've mentioned about three or four books per interview. And I think I'm going to have to maybe start some sort of trade entrepreneur book club. There you uh, go. But yeah. you mentioned uh, HVAC Spells wealth. wealth. Is there any other books that really resonated with you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So HVAC Spells Wealth is definitely the, the top on the list. That was a, that was a no-brainer to get started. Matt Michelle, personal mentor of mine, he has a book called The Power of Positive Pricing. That was really great. And then a standard staple is, is John Maxwell. I'm a John Maxwell certified executive director and, and just love everything that he teaches about leadership. But the, the 21 Laws of Leadership, I, I think that ought to be required reading for anybody that, that assumes a, a leadership role. And there's soon to be one more book. Me and my mentor, Ben Stark, are, are publishing a book called It's Go Time. And it's all about the, the transformational journey from technician to growing a business and, and being able to exit that and really all the steps that we took along the way. So we hope to have that out by the fall. Oh, wonderful. You'll have to work with me and see if we can, give, if we can purchase some of those copies and give them away as a promotion. I think we oh, would totally be yeah. down to do that. Uh, yeah. Oh, in fact, Aura contributed a chapter to it. So yeah, it'll be a must. Amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. So you, you, um, when you made that shift in 2009, you realized you had to buff up your leadership skills. You had to give up TV. You had to start committing to reading a lot and surrounding yourself with people who had achieved the level of success that you wanted to. Was there a specific point after that transition was made where you kind of got an aha moment like, oh, this is working? Do you remember yeah. that? Yeah, I do. Because, you know, whenever you 
when you want to make improvements and you see all this stuff and you see all these people on Facebook that are doing so well, or you go to a conference and you want to bring back and you just overwhelm your team and you can't figure out why everyone's not moving at the same speed as you, it's a little overwhelming. And a lot of people, that's when they get stuck again because they just give up because they want to implement, they want to do all these things, but it's just so big. But the, the law of the process Basically, every day when we left, we wanted to leave it just a little bit better. And, and I remember after time was going on, we looked back and, and we saw all that progress that had happened, you know, just a little bit at a time, you know, just improve this system, just improve that one, just little changes along the way. But then we looked up and oh my gosh, you know, our, our team had grown, our, our, we had started multiple branches, but the biggest aha was whenever I was able to actually step away from the business for an extended period of time. And the thing ran like clockwork. In fact, it grew. And, I, and it was really like, this is it. I mean, th this, is, this is very satisfying to see the leadership that was developed, be able to take it and run with it, and really even do it better than what you were doing it. That was a big aha moment for me that, ah, this is satisfying. I love that. I think that's great. And I think a lot of people can resonate with that. And I think there's probably a lot of people who are listening who want to get to that aha moment. That's it. Yeah. I want to get to acquisition, but before we okay. do, can you tell me a little bit about how you got out of the truck? Yes. Such a key moment. Oh my gosh. Such a key moment. So sometimes we need a little nudge to get out of the truck, right? Because if you're a technician, you truly kind of like that. I mean, that's what you did, you know? So I, and my first instinct was to always get in the truck. And I believe people still need to get in the truck every once in a while, no matter what level you are, just so you stay grounded and you understand what's happening on the front lines. But back to that lid, I knew that if I was in that truck, solving that one problem at a time, then that was that much more time I wasn't focused on the vision, on the mission, on training, on coaching, and I actually had a back surgery. And whenever I had the back surgery, I was going to be off for a few months. And I had a mentor that told me, he said, Chris, he said, when you leave and you're off and people are doing everything that you normally would do, when you go back, don't you take on one task that they're doing successfully? He said, now you can, you're, you're going to be free to, to implement the vision, to get creative and, and take the tools out of the truck. So I physically gave away my truck. And that's why I was so glad I, I actually won that service Titan truck because I gave away my truck. So that way I wouldn't even be tempted to go out and run calls. But it took that nudge. I had to, one, have an event that was going to force me to stop for just a bit. Two, it took a mentor sharing wise words that, hey, I wasn't best serving my team by doing that. And then three, I needed the guard in place by removing the truck and the tools so I wouldn't run and jump back in it. You just made me think of something. Um, I can imagine that when you're a technician turned owner mm -hmm. and you're scaling your business, you're trying to achieve this incredible thing as you're struggling, it must be so tempting to just get back in that truck and do something that you know you're good at. It is because there's a saying that uh, if you want to go fast, you go alone. But if you want to go far, you bring your team. So the, it's that old adage where it takes longer to teach someone to do something than just go and do it yourself. But trusting them, providing them with the tools, the systems in place, 
and then the 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 freedom and the the support to know that hey if you mess up it's okay i got your back we're going to learn from it and we're going to keep moving on and really just believing in the people and when you do that they tend to live up to that expectation and it really was freeing it was freeing to me on my family side it was freeing on uh for them because then they were empowered to to run and and work like they wanted to do so it was tough but it was the most needed thing that business owners need to do. They need to get to where they can work on their business instead of just in their business. Yep. Totally agree. Okay. So you're out of the truck. You had that aha moment. Tell me about how the acquisition from uh, Turnpoint services, how did that unfold? Yeah. So as we started growing, I started looking around and I saw all these contractors that were really creating uncommon wealth. And then I saw another group of contractors that were, that were just struggling, right? I mean, they made good livings, but there was really nothing. There was never that event that created uncommon wealth, right? So, so I made it a mission. I started studying from those that had done that. I flew around the country visiting with uh, some of the best people that I could find that have done that. And they all told me, most of them told me they leveraged the power of private equity. And I never forget, I flew out and visited with Ken Goodrich. He invited me, uh, took me to lunch one day, let me spend a day with him. And he agreed that, hey, the window is open right now. And he shared how he has done this many times over the years and how it not only created the uncommon wealth for him, but for a lot of people on his team as well. And then I actually at Pantheon, I heard Ellen Rohr talking about the window. The window is open for this. So I knew that, hey, now is the time. If I'm going to do it, I need to make a run. And I knew that that $10 million mark was really the, the point where people started getting interested in you. So that's what I set out to do. I pushed hard for it. And as we started nearing that, learned how to, uh, to create the compelling story, get everything in order on the financial side. And then choosing Turnpoint was really key for me because I love this company and I love the people that was there. I didn't want to just hand my baby off to anybody. I wanted a strategic partner that had the same values as me and that could really help my team take it to the next level. And, and they did. Oh my gosh. They were, they were beyond gracious. They, they flew in their, their complete board members did their, their value system was exactly the same. They didn't want to change my brand. They loved the Hunter super tech brand. And then also several key members of my team was able to have equity moving forward. So it was like the perfect fit. And back to that uncommon wealth, really you have to have some sort of liquidity event in your business in order to take the chips off the table. And what I found is it, it frees you. Oh my goodness. So now when you had that security, man, you're, you're free to take maybe some more chances or to, to think and dream bigger because Prior to that, you're just worried about not running out of money, right? You don't, you don't want to go broke. And so it, it was a great move. I would do it again in a heartbeat and absolutely happy with the way that it turned out. I love that. And that's, I, I'm very happy for you that you have that type of financial freedom because I know that's probably contributed to the work that you're doing now with a GoTime Success Group that I can't wait to get into. Yeah but I would love to talk about your value system. I'm actually reading a book myself right now called Dare to Lead by Brene Brown. Have you read her stuff? I have not, but I'll have to check it out. She's very good, but she's talking about how um, 
identifying your values as a leader is mm-hmm. crucial because it's your North star. So what would you identify as your values? Yeah. Um, mine is simple and it's almost personal and, and this it, but it's, it's, it's love, serve and build and build means building others up or being creative and everything that I do. I mean, even at Hunter, we, we all still wear these little bracelets, uh, Hunter super tags. And it's got my favorite Bible verse on there. It's called Colossians 3.23. But this really is my value system. And I even incorporated it into the mission at Hunter. But it's, it's whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as if you're working for the Lord and not for men. But that, that gave me meaning. That meant that if I'm sweeping the floor, if I'm doing paperwork, I'm out closing the biggest deal, I'm going to give it all I got. And I want my team to do the same. So that is our value system. It, it is, it's, it's, it's hit it hard, right? So our, our mission at Hunter, it was keep customers comfortable, save them money, do it better than anyone else, and honor God with the way we do it. So I incorporated my value system personally into the business's value system, and it was amazing watching the team and other people gravitate towards that, and it really was the North Star. We never had a question about, do we do this or we do that? We always did the right thing and we always hit it with a hundred percent. And that's why I still do anything that I do. It's, it's kind of a gift and a curse, right? But, uh, uh whatever I do, I, I give it all I got. Gotcha. I think that's a great way to live your life for sure. Yeah. So, um, after Turnpoint acquired Hunter Supertext, you've obviously still maintained you and Nikki have both still maintained roles at Hunter Supertext, but this has cleared up your schedule a little bit to to pursue with GoTime Success Group. So, talk yeah. to me a little bit about how you made that transition. Yeah. So, as I evolved in the Service Nation organization, Service Roundtable, Service Nation. And I went through the Maxwell leadership stuff. They started asking me to teach some classes for them, you know, stuff like annual planning and marketing and uh, how to get out of the truck, you know, and, and I was a sponge prior to that. I soaked up so much from all those members there that it was an honor just to give back. So I was really happy to do that. So we created, I had a company called Go Time Success Group, really just uh, as, a, as a third party or another way to, to do that. But then my mentor, a mentor was Ben Stark and Ben had this training company in Dallas and he said, man, you know what? We ought to just combine these two entities. He said, I I love your passion. We got the school. Let's, let's see if we can take this thing to the next level. And and Ben recently sold his company for the, I believe the third time to turn point services as well. So, so really and truly with, with go time, we not only have people that have been there and done that, but we are just super passionate about building technicians for tomorrow. So we've got the tech school down there where you can send texts to, and they, we've got a phenomenal instructor. We've got an online university that's got management and technician training, even virtual reality where they can really get the young generation engaged by doing that. My 11-year-old son can fix a furnace now just because he's learned on virtual reality. And then also we have a group of coaches and consultants there that were all either in the trades as business owners or, or worked inside of a, a company. So it's all people that have really felt the pain of business ownership and leadership and, and know how to navigate through those things. Gotcha. So uh, what, what's your day-to-day like right now? 
Yeah, you know, my day to day is not that much different than than it's been the last several years. So, so I wake up every morning, spend a little time with God, right, and then have the privilege of taking my son to school, and then after that, it's a it's a combination of still learning, of coaching, of thinking, and really just trying to be creative. I love creating things. I love helping people be creative, and then at home. It's playing with my grandkids and, and really enjoying that family life and, and doing that. So that, that has really been my day to day for several, several years. Once I got the business where it was running without me having to fight every fire, that was the key is making that transition. And so now you've really been able to create a schedule that fulfills you personally and both professionally. That's wonderful. Yeah. What what's most important, right? That that's what I think. All right, what's most important, and let's prior towards prioritize the day to to do what's most important, and and it I love it. I do. That's great. I want to get into strategies soon, but before okay. before we do, I I did do a little bit of research on you before we jumped on this call, and okay. you have dozens of awards. It's the Tom McCart Consultant of the Year Award, Contractor of the Year, the 2016 ACHR Best Contractor of the Year. I want you to tell me about the impact receiving these rewards has made on your life, both per- personally and professionally. Oh man, I'm just so humbled and so honored really to get those because honestly, it, it all goes back to surrounding yourself with great people because the people in my, I wouldn't be anywhere. I'd still be stuck in that truck if it wasn't for the great people at Hunter that came along beside me, you know, that, that lifted us all up. So the, the best contractor to work for, that was, you talk about one that'll make a grown man cry because, because the, uh, you get nominated by your peers, right? Or the people that work there. So to see what they wrote in and what they said, it just really, really, no matter how much money we made, that alone was worth far more than money. Those relationships and, and seeing those people that the impact we'd made, not only in their, in their business life, but in their, in their home life. And that was extremely f- fulfilling. Now, if you ever do win that award, it opens the floodgates too, to new recruits. So I would, I would encourage everybody to apply for that thing or encourage your team to submit you every year. Who knows? You might just win it, right? A cool thing about that is in my service nation advisory board group, it's a small group that we meet every, every week. Now there has been three contractors in my little group that have all won that award. So that just shows you those that you associate yourself with. Actually, Jim Rohn says you are the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So think about that in your business life. Who were you spending the most time with? Well, obviously, I was spending time with people that valued their people and their culture, and it showed all three of us won that won that award. So that was very fulfilling. The Service Nation Contractor of the Year that was that was uh, such an honor because when I first joined the Service Nation, I had a guy named Daniel Boyette with Benson's, longtime Service Titan customer now as well. But Daniel took me underneath his wing. And I didn't know numbers. I didn't know sales goals. I didn't have any of that in place. And he just opened his books and, and showed me everything that he had. And really, he had such an impact on me. And a lot of people in the service nation did. So, so to fast forward and win that award, 
oh man, it was, it was just like the, the ultimate compliment to their leadership, right? Because they taught me and then here I just implemented. That's all I did. And, and it won us that award. And the Tom McCart consultant of the year, honestly, felt like they, they made a mistake. I was like, wait a minute, did they just say my name? Is that, that really just happened? But that one is very fulfilling because I care. I really do care about these trades and, and I care about the people that I have the pleasure getting to work with. And it's not about knowing everything. Coaching is not about knowing how to do it all, but what it is about, it's about bringing the best out of the people that you work with. And I feel like maybe God's gifted, gifted me with that because I give it all I got too. So if I'm working with the client, they get my full attention and I put myself in there just like I'm in their company. And I really just do whatever I can to bring out the best in them and just lift them up. So that was, those three were big ones. I, I'm, I'm so thankful. I almost pinch myself, you know, whenever I see that. Uh, and I hate to even share it sometimes because I feel like it's a little braggadocious, but it's, it's, it's really just a compliment to this industry and the people that I learned from. That's wonderful. And I think, yeah, I mean, I can't imagine what that must feel like, just all the work that you've done to teach yourself, not only how to be a technician, but how to be an incredible business owner and to, to help other people. So I wanted oh, yeah. to bring those up. One other question before we get into strategy, what advice would you give people who are looking for mentors in the trade? So people that are kind of in that place you were in 09, around that time period? Yeah. So first thing first, um, any mentor that you have, and there's a lot of phenomenal ones out there, but I, I really believe the value system is the first thing that you need to look at. I, I think that uh, you can learn from people that may have a different set of values in you, but be guarded with who you listen to um, because a lot of people mean well and their strategies may work, but it may not be a fit for your culture. Right, so that is number one. Choose a mentor that you respect. I also believe in choosing a mentor that has been there. They know what you're going through. Uh, they they know that pressure of a business owner, how much weight it carries. You know, not only financially but just the team, the customers, the the rapidly changing uh, landscape of the internet, everything that's coming at it. So uh, a mentor that is that has been in those shoes, I think, is very important. And then the last thing is it's tempting to, to have several mentors and that's okay, but I really feel like you need to brain it down and learn from one or two. Classic example, we would send our text all this sales training and it was all great, but, but before I knew it, I had unintentionally just confused the dog out of them because, you know, do I go this system? Do I go this system? Do I do this? Do I do this? So that's why I think it's important once you find the one with the right value system, the one that's actually been there, and then stick with one or two and run with it. When they say something and it's worked, implement it. That's what I did. I didn't have to second guess it. I just heard great advice. The next day, I took action on it. And not just action, massive action. That was the key. What's massive action? <laughs> that's going back to giving it all you got, you know, so you can take action and kind of do something, or you can just hit the fire out of that thing. So if it lines up with our mission and our values and our vision, we're going to give it all we got, you know, and, and that's what it takes. That's great. Is there anything about your journey in the trades, how you got to where you are today that we should have talked about that we didn't? Well, one kind of un, 
unspeakable in this industry. And Matt Michelle wrote a phenomenal article about it um, in, a, I believe it was Contracting Business Magazine here recently. But it's about the the pressures that business owners go through and how it can cause depression, you know, and, and it's so you, you get the highest of highs in this industry, but you can also have the lowest of lows and without strategic people surrounding you with, with great mindsets um, and building you up and helping push through those tough times. I see why, why there's such a high failure rate, right? So I think that contractors need to get over the fact that they need to get over the fact thinking they need to seem like they're awesome all the time because we all know we're not. We all have struggles. We all have low points. You can go to the best contracting shop in this in the country, and I guarantee you they have lots of issues. So I think contractors need not to be afraid of talking about that and seeking out others that have been there and navigated through it and realize it is just a season you can get through this season. Don't quit. Don't get down and just keep going. I think that's a very important lesson for anyone trying to accomplish anything. It's hard and don't do it alone. No, and bingo. That's it. All right. Well, Chris, that's a phenomenal story. I'm so glad that you shared it with me. Thank you. So let's move on to kind of strategies, tips, tactics, and other skills that you've noticed really work, worked for you at Hunter Supertechs. Some of the common things that you teach your trainees, your clients at GoTime Success Group. All right. Gotcha. So where to start here? So, so number one, it starts with you, the leader. Everything rises and falls on leadership, right? So number one is you definitely have to invest in yourself. You know, and, and that can be expensive. It, it can, it, and it can be very time consuming, but you cannot give what you don't have. So the, the number one piece of advice I have is to start on yourself and, and definitely that's what you need to do first. And that's what I did. Like I said, with all the sacrifices with, you know, quit watching TV and, and realize things like we were talking about in a season, there, there's times where you may have to work a little harder and a little longer but just don't get stuck there. Don't get stuck being in that workaholic thing where you look up, next thing you know, you lost your family. So maintain that wheel of balance. And if you do go into a season where you have to give extra effort, make it only a season. Don't, don't stay there. Get out of it and get back to that well-rounded wheel. So that's number one. A couple things in Growing Hunter, definitely joining or being involved with the best practice organization and there's so many great ones out there. I love the Service Nation, but um, anyone that has where a, a group of like-minded individuals where people are figuring things out, where you can share best practices, otherwise you're operating on an island, you know, and there is nothing tougher than trying to figure it all out yourself. So why reinvent the wheel when so many people have the roadmap? So let, let's do that, right? Maintenance agreements. Service Titan helped me phenomenally in this thing. But the, the, I don't even call them maintenance agreements. We call them club memberships. Learning how to do that will create the year-round work for your business. That was definitely a huge key for us recruiting new technicians. There was a lot of other people that, that weren't focused on growing that. We were. And we were able to get their technicians, especially in the slow times of the year, because we had the work and they didn't. We want to maintain that relationship with the customer for sure. Another great tip or trick, I guess you could say, not even a trick, but just a principle, 
is contractors have to realize that this business is a relationship business and it's all about influence. And now with the internet, with social media, that word of mouth is still alive and well, but now it's amplified. So you have to have a strategy on your social media, on reviews. You're going to live and die by your internet presence, right? So we were lucky enough at Hunter to kind of harness that early, right when social media was coming out. My daughter told me, hey, dad, you got to get on this new thing called Facebook. I'm like, oh, yeah, what, what's that do? But so anyway, that we built complete new locations by utilizing nothing but social media and influence, walking around, shaking hands, meeting people, getting involved in the community, giving back, because ultimately this is a people business, right? People like to do business with people that they like and who they trust. So those were the biggest things that really catapulted us at Hunter to kind of a, not only a fast start, but just a, a meaningful start. Gotcha. I think that's a really succinct and great way to describe them. I'd love to go into these a little bit more in depth. So the first one you mentioned was, you know, staying rounded and, and keeping that, that level of balance. Yeah. What's the best way that uh, budding business owners can make sure, can kind of check in and make sure that they're not overworking themselves? but at the same time still paying attention to the business and making sure that it grows. So anybody that's driven in any line of work probably faces the same thing that I did where there is no off switch. Oh my gosh, you want to turn it off, but you just can't. You know, even if you go on vacation, you're sitting there and you're thinking, oh man, we could probably implement this or I need to do this or I could do this for a marketing campaign. So, so that is so tough, you know, because if you're driven there is no off switch. So what I had to learn to do was be very, very, very intentional. And intentional means scheduling my calendar and priorities, you know, and prioritize what was important. Another little trick that I do is I have what's called an intentional calendar. So the intentional calendar is I write down a name each day of somebody that I appreciate that I need to be intentional about showing that in appreciation to. And that's helped me stay really grounded and focused on the people as well. Another thing is I've got this little chart. It's what a lot of people do. It's called the wheel of life. And basically you shade in each area of your life. And it just gives you a visual representation of where you're unbalanced because it's just like a wheel. It's just like a car wheel. When this thing uh, gets one side that's flat, Next thing you know, dun, 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 you're off on the side. You've just, you've just ditched yourself, right? Well, the same can happen if you focus all on your business and not on your family. Boom, there it went. You're off in the ditch. So the goal is to keep this thing rounded, but then also grow in all these areas. Because just like a wheel, the bigger the wheel is, the faster and easier it can get down the road versus a small wheel that just has to really work in order to get down the road. So it took a little just simple tools, you know, uh, being intentional about the calendar, having an intentional calendar, and then a few visual representations of, am I balanced? Am I not? What do I need to work on? And then hitting them with all I got in those areas. So that was really a big thing. I wholeheartedly agree. And it sounds like that wheel you were talking about can really be comprised of whatever you need it to be. Um, and that kind of goes back to your value system. It does. No, absolutely. Because I mean, even things like fun, 
you know, because a lot of times we forget to have fun. So, I mean, it, in fact, I'll send you the wheel. You can share it with somebody if you want to. So I'll send uh, it to you. Send, it the, send me the wheel because I want to make my own wheel. And also yeah. I would love to uh, share it with people who are listening to this episode because I think that would be really great. Okay, cool. Uh, you also mentioned, you know, joining a best practice group, and this seems to have really paid off in dividends for you. Because if you think about it, you just started Hunter Supertex, and I know you had a, it was branded differently when you first began. You yeah. started it ten years ago, which, in the grand scheme of things, someone who's achieved so much success like you, like that's holy cow! That is just a crazy short timeline. And I, it sounds like that best practices group really gave you the tools you needed to scale fairly rapidly. It was by far the best thing that I that I ever did, and, and the and the ironic part was, at first I was thinking, you know what, I don't really need this. I think I got it figured out, and, and then I, I went, I I finally realized that okay, maybe I don't have it figured out because you know I was making like one and a half percent net profit and just overwhelmed. I was thinking, okay, maybe maybe I do need to go learn from somebody else. But the first thing that I did was they plugged me into what's called a boot camp. It was a and it was like drinking from a fire hose, but it truly was business education for the trades. And I loved it so much that I send all of my managers through it as well. I even took my son to this thing. I thought, you know what, this is more valuable than four years of college. It really was. But then after that boot camp of learning how to operate a home service business, and they also taught me about starting with the end in mind. And I was thinking, why would I ever want to start with the end in mind? I'm just trying to figure out how to make a profit here. But what we realized was when you start with the end in mind, even if you never sell, you run your business in a way that is profitable, that's organized, that's systemized, and it, and it works well. So that was, that was oh so key. And then also the people that I met inside that thing. I mean, I got to, I got to have some of the best mentors that are even in the HVAC Hall of Fame that cared about me and they cared about helping me and there was no strings attached. And it, it, it was, oh, it, it really was. And that's why I love seeing new people join those organizations, whether it's service nation or whatever it is, because I know that here they go. They're, if they will take action on what they learn, it's going to make a difference. It's going to make a big difference. So that was definitely the very key moment, uh, turning point in my, in my career. Yeah, I totally get that need to want to go it alone. And I feel like a lot of people have that when they're starting something new because there's so much vulnerability that comes into growing a business and starting a business. And you don't necessarily want to ask for help. But I've, I'm consistently blown away by how powerful the trade community is and how much you want to help one another. I know, right? No other business. I mean, and even back whenever I started, it really was unheard of to visit with the competitor about best practices. But now it's like we are one big group that are committed to raising the, the bar for all of us. And that's exactly what it is. I've, I even had competitors that have came back to me and said, Chris, you know what? When you started doing things differently, like flat rate pricing and no overtime on the weekends and, and all private label systems, we all thought you were crazy. But what it's done is it's helped us become more profitable because you raised the bar and we quickly tried to follow as well and it helped them. And that's the truth. You know, a, a rising tide floats all boats, you know, a hundred percent. 
And then going to club memberships, you did mention something that I've never thought of in terms of uh, in terms of memberships before. But yeah, it allows you to get more techs because you're the one that has that business. You have consistent business going through through with you. So tell me about how you guys really got started with your club memberships. So the HVAC world, depending on what part of the country you're in, is very seasonable. So, I mean, you, you, you go through the summer and you don't have enough techs. Then you go through the winter and you don't really need, need near as many. So you have to have something that will level it out. And that's what these club memberships can do. Not only are they a win for the customer, but they're also a win for the, for the technician and for the company. They, they maintain the relationship. But most importantly, they provide steady work. And it's work done at a discount for the homeowner. So it, it is a true win for them. And it's a great recruiting tool. So you, you can even structure these service agreements. I hate to say the word golden handcuffs, but let's think about if you have a technician and you say, hey, every service agreement that, that or, or club membership that you sell, we're going to give you the first right to go service that in the slow time and then even pay a residual spiff as the years grow on. Well, crud, after three or four years, they may have 1500 bucks a month coming in just from residuals off of past sales, why would they want to leave that? You know, so you can be really strategic with your club memberships to accomplish not only getting new, but also retaining the existing technicians. That's really interesting. Can you talk a little bit more about how that residual SPIF program works? I've never heard that before. Yeah. So a lot of contractors are doing this where they're, they're paying like a couple bucks. I'm saying it in number, for example, a couple bucks a month for every monthly membership. So if you charge 20 bucks a month, well, $2 per month goes to the te- original technician that sold it. Well, that accrues and just keeps going over time. So the longer that customer stays on board and the more new ones he brings in, before you know it, it's, kind of, it's just like the insurance sales business. That's what they do. So you can create a, a really nice residual income just by, by being smart in the way that it's structured. And really incentivizing the tech to go above and beyond and give the customer all that they can offer in terms to service their home in the best way they can. Yeah. And if the same technician goes out to that customer that they're the one that enrolled them to do the maintenance in the off season, they start to create a bond, right? So then when the time comes and they need that big ticket replacement and the same guy has been, or or female has been going back and they've got that relationship, when they make the recommendation this is no longer a bidding situation. They're, they're trusting their friend. And when he says, oh man, hate to tell you, but it's time. We need to get this thing replaced. The good news is you're probably going to save about 40% on your electric bill. I've got financing that's going to stretch this thing out for 10 years. Plus you're going to have an all new warranty, uh, some with even a lifetime unit replacement. It's a done deal, right? So you can really, really leverage those club memberships to, to win for the, for the tech, for the homeowner and the company. Gotcha. That's great. Thank you for explaining. Yep. The next thing you mentioned was that this is a relationship business and Hunter Supertext has over 3,500 reviews. So talk to me a little bit about how you, your culture fosters that relationship between the customer and your business. Well, we know the customer is the boss. Right. They, they pay all of our paychecks and that's why we're doing it. And then it also went back to our mission, you know, keeping customers comfortable, saving money, doing it better than anyone else and honoring God with the way that we did it. So between all of that, if we will just put the customer first every time, 
and always do what's right. We'll never be wrong. That's what I always tell, tell the guys. It does create that relationship. And then also one thing at Hunter that we did, it was actually my favorite part of the month, favorite time of the month. But we had what was called the Extra Mile Award or nominee. So in our company meeting, other technicians would nominate the other technicians that really went above and beyond and gave that extra mile service. And it was amazing. So when you, when you reward extra mile service and you recognize it and peers recognize it, before you know it, everybody wants in on that action. And, and, and oh man, I've had so many great stories come out of this and even things that blew up on us like with, with customers. For example, I guarantee you, if there is ever a vehicle on the side of the road, there's a good chance you see a Hunter Supertech van that pulls over and helps that customer. And one of my favorite stories was one time we had a, had a customer that called into our dispatcher said, Oh, I can't make our appointment. I got a flat tire and I can't make it back home. The dispatcher being smart calls the tech, tells them next thing you know, the tech goes over, changes her tire and then meets her back at the house for the tune up. And Oh my gosh, she, she raved to no telling how much business we ended up getting out of that. That wasn't the purpose, but it started with us having a culture that rewarded and recognized extra mile service because those relationships, they are, they're, they're the lifeblood of, of why we're even in business. Yeah. And just like you said, it's so hard to tie back like, well, the tech changed the tire and that gave us 10,000 in referrals or something like that. And, and it's, it's so easy to kind of get trapped in that mindset when you're a business. But if you have those values from the beginning that are ones that give back to the customer, it can really change the way your brand is is seen in the community and really pay off in dividends as as you grow and scale. Oh yeah, and that's leaders. That's really one of their most important job is to define the the mission of the company, the values, you know, the core values that we operate by, and then continually bring them to life. So another thing in in our monthly meeting, and I learned this from a Service Nation contractor, but each each meeting we take one core value. And we, we talk about how do we bring this to life this month? You know, whether it was professionalism, whether it was family, whether it was giving back, efficiency, whatever the core value was, we talk about how we made that work with our customers or our team in the month. So I think that's great because it's so easy to just put values on the wall that you walk past and after a minute and after a couple of times walking by, you forget what they even say. But I yeah. think it's really smart to constantly be bringing back, like, how did we implement these values this month? I think that's a really great tip. Oh, yeah. No, for sure. And model them. You know, they're, they're looking at you, the leader, to see if it's just lip service or if you're truly, these are important. And sometimes that's tough, you know. Like if you're, if you have a value of family and somebody needs off in two weeks for their ball game, their kid's ball game or whatever. Well, if you value family before work, you need to be committed to, to rearrange and to make that happen. You can't just abandon your values when it's convenient. Huh? There you go. I don't want to say mistakes. I would, I'm, I, because again, back to that book I was telling you about, we shouldn't label things as mistakes, but instead as learnings. What are some common learnings that you see contractors make or learn rather <laughs> while they're uh, growing their business? So like, what are some, co some common things that people have to learn as they grow? Yeah, I got a couple really important ones, but 
The, the first thing is pricing and numbers because most of the time this does not come naturally for, a, for somebody that wasn't in the business world. So being committed to understanding the numbers is oh so important. So I once heard a saying that said, contractors go out of business most of the time in the year they were the busiest. And I thought, well, how in the world is that? And then I got thinking about it. Well, if your pricing is wrong, and you just do more work, you just compounded the problem. If your collection system is wrong and you do more work, you just compounded the problem till you ran out of cash, right? So, so one challenge or one learning that contractors need to be committed to is understanding their numbers and their financials. And this, like I said, doesn't come natural, didn't come natural for me, but now I love it. I, they, they tell a story and I look at a P and L and, and the cash flow statement and all this stuff, it, it tells a story of, of where we are and, and what I need to do to fix, fix it. So that's it. The second learning, and I really feel like this is the biggest one. This, this is the one where, why so many people get stuck at 1 million or 2 million or 5 million or 20 million. And it really does all come back to, they are the bottleneck. They, they want to do it. They got to, they want to do it their way. And they're afraid to delegate and release that responsibility and, and let their team run. And you know what it's like, or I don't know if you know what it's like, but if you've ever worked for somebody that is a micromanager that doesn't allow you the freedom to do your job well, they just give up after a while, right? They just become a, a just show up and go through the motions. But if you truly empower people and give them the training and the coaching and the tools to succeed and then get out of the way, and that's the lesson, get out of the way, let them run and the freedom to do it, you'll be surprised where it'll take you. Yeah. Not micromanaging is a big step and it's very hard, especially if your name is on the building. That's it. Yeah. These have been incredible tips and, and strategies that you've given, Chris. So thank you so much. What do you think is one thing every contractor listening right now could do to improve their business? Oh, wow. Um, first of all, it is, they need to be thinking about their bench. And what I mean by this is tomorrow's technician. You know, so if you think about a, a, a baseball team, well, they all have a minor league system, right? They got people on the bench that are ready to be called up to the big leagues. So you may not need extra technicians right now, but if you are committed to growing, you need to have tomorrow's technicians being trained and mentored today and ready to take and run when the opportunity comes. And it also helps these smaller contractors, you know, or really any contractor, if you've got four or five techs, and your best one leaves right in the middle of the summer, oh my gosh, you, you, just, you just took out 25% of your business, right? That can't get done. But if you have a bench and you've been working at mentoring that next level of techs, you won't have to worry about that. It's amazing too what happens when a, when a tech gets the call up, they get, and now you're in the game, they got new energy, they're, they're ready to run, they're the first to volunteer, it really lifts the whole team up with that energy. So that's number one, definitely start on your bench, build the bench. And that's a lot about what we do at go time. We are, we are all about taking people that just have a, a great attitude and then teaching them not only technical skills, but communication skills. And this is really out of the box, but we teach life skills because I've seen all too many times where when somebody is struggling at home, it comes with them to work. You know, if they're fighting a divorce or finances or kid issues, whatever it is, 
their performance suffers and the business suffers. So everyone always like, why are you so passionate about that? Because I know if I can help them win at home, it helps us win at life. Plus it's just the right thing to do. In fact, one really quick story at this, and this is proof that this works at Hunter, we started a life skills. It was a, a biblical base, but it was life skills lunch and I offered free pizza and I just opened it up. Whoever wanted to come. Well, next thing you know, everybody came. I was like, okay, this is really cool. They're kind of hungry. But then something surprising happened. I started getting messages from other contractors going, Hey, we heard what you're doing over there at Hunter. Can we come? And I'm like, okay. So on Wednesdays, we would have this lunch. Before I know it, I had a hundred men coming just to learn how to win at life. And, and you talk about the applications came in, you know, people wanted to be a part of that, but, but more so it was just the right thing to do with the influence that really got to give me inside this trade and inside this community. So build your bench. That's the key. And work on those life skills. That's it. Yeah. Develop yeah. The, whole, the whole person, not just the, the sales or the technical, but the whole rounded technician. I've heard this before, really like working with your technicians, help them figure out what do you want out of life? What are your personal goals? How can we help you get there? Because also that has to be a giant culture play with them wanting to stay and being loyal with you too. Oh, by far. So, so on social media, whenever we would do a, a recruiting campaign, I would simply ask a question, hey, what's most important to you? And I would list off several different things. And you would be surprised that working for purpose was by far the number one thing rather than working for even money or time off or all these things. I was blown away. So it just shows you how hungry people are really to do something that matters and not just go through the grind and live a life of, of mundane. Gotcha. Is there any, we've been talking for about an hour now. Is there anything that we should have talked about that we didn't about like tips and strategies and stuff like that? Well, I mean, I hate to give a shameless plug to Service Titan, but, but honestly, this is a huge thing. I went through several softwares before, and, and this really encompasses a lot more than Service Titan, but it really is about leveraging technology to serve better. So specifically with Service Titan, and of course, everybody knows this, but the bar is raised, right? So homeowners, they're, they're just impressed when a contractor just shows up on time. So whenever they get that notification that, that, that shows who's coming, what the, a little bit about their family, and then maybe even a link below about how to get pre-approved for financing today or some of the popular, the club membership that we have, man, that, those are game changers, right? So partnering, and I consider it a partnership. Me and Service Titan, I, we are partners, right? Because uh, without Service Titan and some of the other key technology vendors that we use, where would we be? So I think contractors really need to embrace that and realize that the level of customer service and now even what customers are starting to expect is getting higher and higher. And you can leverage these tools to make it scalable where it's not just more work for you it can actually be easier. I have all the alerts set up on my phone. So no matter if I'm at the beach with my family, I can quickly look down and see all the jobs that were booked today, who did what, what sales were happening, if there's any issues that I needed to, to make sure that were, were handled correctly. It can be freeing if you leverage technology in the right way. And same thing with our training, you know, like at GoTime, 
the younger techs today, they grow up playing video games. Let's face it, that's what they do. So having a technology that can teach them in the way that they're accustomed to learning, that's cool. Can you imagine going to a job fair with the virtual reality headset on, fixing a furnace and walking around and doing things? Like I said, it's, it's a natural draw. So the lesson in this is to leverage the technology, realize it is a partnership, and don't be scared of it, and then go for it, utilize it. Nice. Is there anything, so, so this is your opportunity. Tell the, tell the folks listening a little bit about what you want them to hear about. Plug your plugs, go nuts. <laughs> I got you. Yeah. So really and truly, uh, and I, I hate to be really, really uh, all about that plug, but if you do want to partner with a company that is committed to growing the whole technician, that is definitely what we do at GoTime. So, and, and if you ever go to gotimesuccessgroup.com, you'll look on the meet the team page and you'll see some of the industry's top business owners, uh, award winners that are all passionate about giving back with the same value system as us. And, and we don't believe in, I'm not one of these used cars, used cars type salespeople. We believe in powering technicians to be good technicians. And being a good technician means that you were there to do a great job for the homeowner. And if you're a super tech, you're going to go in, you're going to find ways to, to keep their family comfortable, to save them money, to protect their home. And then all your job is, is to use your service Titan, go through the correct process, and then show the options and let them choose what they want. And that's what we teach at GoTime. We, we teach, we empower them with skills that teach them how to do their job well, how to communicate well, and then also how to win on the home front and with their finances and all these different things like this. So that way they can be an overall well-rounded technician for you. We also have a, a tech school at Dallas, one of the best ever. You send a tech there in 12 days, he comes out or she comes out and they will be ready to run calls for you. So that, that's a definite plus as well. Amazing. Chris, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you. I really appreciate it. I love Service Titan. I love all the people there. And, and a quick little fact. So Aura was my salesperson, right, when he brought me on. But one thing that I didn't mention in this whole thing was this last year was really trying for me. So after selling the business, I actually got sick. And when I got sick, I went to the emergency room and they, they found eight masses in my lungs. You talk about an eye opener. Here, I was on top of the world, just sold the company. And, and then all of a sudden, they told me they thought I had stage four cancer. And one doctor, an oncologist, told me I had six weeks to live. And I was sitting there thinking, oh, man, you talk about a, a reality check. You know, it really makes you think about what's important. And I realized, you know, work is important. And doing things right was important to set my family up. But those relationships, they immediately is what hit me as, as what truly mattered the most. But it, Speaking of the relationships, one of the first people to call me was Ara. And he reached out to me and he said, Chris, tell me what's going on. And I told him. He immediately got on the phone to one of his, um, I guess, college best friends that was a doctor at MD Anderson, got me connected, got this whole process started where they took a piece of the lung out and was realizing what it was. And praise God, it was not cancer. It was a rare fungus that I had breathed in somehow but was making tumors and started attacking my body. 
was still a butt kicker. Oh my gosh, he kicked my butt for a year, but I was able to beat it. But him doing that, man, that just, and not only that, I got this card from Service Titan and they had all these people that were cheering for me, praying for me. And, and it just let me know that, hey, these relationships, yeah, we used them as a vendor, but it was much more than that. And, and that's something that money can't buy. And I am so thankful for all of you for that. And uh, I'll never forget it. I really do appreciate it. Well, thank you, Chris. But uh, I remember when we heard about that and everyone was definitely rooting for you. And we were so, so, so relieved when we found out it wasn't as serious as you thought it was. So. Yeah, it's oh my goodness. Yeah. Talk, uh, yeah. Talk about an eye opener for sure. But that's thank you. Thank you so much for being on the Tools for the Trades podcast. I can't wait for this episode to go live and to share it with you. All right. Thanks. All I right. appreciate you. Thank you. Have an awesome you. Day. Yeah, you too. I'll talk to you later, Chris. Right, see you. Bye. Bye. The grit and know-how required to tackle your community's toughest jobs hasn't changed, but the way companies run their business has. Service Titan is the only field service software that was born in the trades, built for the trades. If you're interested in seeing what Service Titan can do for your business, request a demo at servicetitan.com slash trades, and we'll send you a new Milwaukee tool set, plus a free iPad when you sign up. That's servicetitan.com slash trades. You've been listening to Toolbox for the Trades, presented by Service Titan, the leading home and commercial field service software. Please subscribe to Toolbox for the Trades wherever you get your podcasts to hear all of our episodes. Want to learn more? Check out servicetitan.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening.